I want to talk about the Lamb of God before we take communion. I want to set it up. The Bible talks about, do this in remembrance of me. Well, what are we remembering? And of course you say, well, I remember Jesus Christ out on the cross. And I I remember that he set us free. I remember that he gave himself as a sacrifice. Well, in the moment that Jesus instituted the, the the Last Supper or communion or however you want to put it, it was different. There, there was something else going on. He was teaching and illustrating as he was going through this. And Easter has so many cool elements. We talk about the Passover, the triumphal entry. We talk about the Last Supper, and the, the trial, the prayer in the garden. I have those things out of order. Just roll with me. And, and then the crucifixion and then the resurrection and all the things that Jesus did to show that he was that conquering king, that he came to die for our sins, but he came and walked out of the grave to show that he did what he came to do. It's an, it's an exciting thing that we celebrated this, but every bit of that had significance. A lot of that significance I'm going to point out next Sunday as I, I preach through the message of this. But Jesus was completely changing history. He was preaching a message, and everything that was happening was pointing and illustrating what he was doing. When I say that he was changing history... I have to start at the beginning of history. So if I take you back, and I know a lot of you say, Pastor Tony, I know this. Praise God if you know this. But let me remind you that everything we're doing today is to remember. Okay, Do this in remembrance of me. We're going back. It all starts back as the Lamb of God actually started with the sin of Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. They had a choice. They, they, They chose wrong because we're flesh. We fell short of the glory of God from the very beginning. Adam and Eve ran, hid themselves in the garden. What they did is they realized that that their eyes were open. They realized that they had sinned and there was nakedness. They were uncovered, exposed. They knew that they had to do something about it. There was shame that there. Sin brings shame. So they went, they took these leaves and they, they sewed clothes together. They put them on and they hid in the garden. God had to go looking for them. God went seeking after them. When he finds them, they come out and he didn't say, wow, those are great clothes. He was like, no, that, you don't get it. Nothing that you can do can, can cover your sin or your shame. You can't do this. So, so Jesus had to, or, or God had to go and take an animal and sacrifice that animal and he made coats of skin. Now you've got to understand the wages of sin is death. The Bible says that in, in Romans. It emphasizes that. There's a payment of sin. When sin came in, that there's a payment for that. But God introduced something that was powerful and special. Praise God for this. Substitute. Somebody or something else died in your place to where you could have the covering for your sin. Because we can't cover our sin. He said in Genesis 3.21, unto Adam also and his wife, that the Lord God made coats of skin and clothed them. Now, I, I don't have to explain this you got, to you guys, but to make coats of skin, blood had to be shed. Animal had to die. The animal took their place where they witnessed in that moment the wages of sin is death. There was a substitution made. One life covered another life. One, the blood of one covered for the other. Sacrifice became part of their ritual. It was brutal. It was nasty. Man, every time they sacrificed animals from then on out, and God instituted that through the Old Testament about the sacrifice of animals, constantly reminding them of the wages of sin is death. It was always that illustration of that. So history moves on, and God's people go to Egypt, and they get into bondage. They get into bondage. God sent Moses to let his people go. He goes before them with the ten plagues. On the tenth plague, the, first, or the firstborn of every family was to die, unless a sacrifice was made. 
Now, they didn't even fully understand what they were doing at this time. They were just following the instructions. So they get a lamb, they crucify, they kill the lamb, they bring it in, they have the Passover feast, they have the Passover meal on the inside. But the leader of the home had to go out, and there he's like, okay, and and he puts blood on the doorpost and on the top and on the sides. The death angel was going to come through, and the, the, the principle was that when the judgment was to come, and I see the blood, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. That's where we get the phrase and the idea of the Passover. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. Because there was obedience, there was sacrifice, there was bloodshed. Substitution was made. It wasn't the firstborn inside. It was the bloodshed of a substitute. And they did this out of obedience. That became a tradition. When they celebrate Passover, what they're celebrating is they're looking back of, we once were in bondage. We, we were bound in a way that we couldn't set ourselves free. There was nothing we could do to get ourselves out of that. We were stuck. God sent someone to give us the instructions. They obeyed God. Blood was shed and, and, and God set them free. It wasn't just salvation that they received on that day. They were able to receive freedom and a new start and a fresh start as a result of the blood being shed. So they celebrate Passover. They celebrate everything that God did for them. The Bible says in Exodus 12 verse 13, And the blood shall be to you as a token upon the house where you are. When I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. And it was something that was saved from the wrath to come. So they did this as a regular reminder, but the whole Old Testament was this. Sin, death. Sin, death. Sin, death. The wages of sin is death. I'll be saying that a lot. You'll catch on here in a minute when we finish. The entire Old Testament was pointing to Jesus. They didn't fully understand that even when Isaiah was writing in Isaiah 53 verse 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. He puts it on our level. All we like sheep have gone astray. Well, the sacrificial lamb was even illustrated in that point that it was was a substitute. We have turned everyone into his own way. The Lord hath laid on him, talking about Jesus now, the iniquity of us all. They didn't even fully understand. Then he says he was oppressed. He was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter. Do you see the illustration? Now he's comparing the sacrifice of the Passover, the sacrifice from the very beginning, bloodshed, substitution, and connecting it to Jesus Christ. An animal had to die. Jesus would be as a lamb brought to the slaughter, as his sheep before the shears is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. He would be like one of us, made flesh, dwell among us. He would be the sacrificial lamb. When we get to the Gospels, there was Jesus that was born, but there was also John the Baptist. A lot of you know that John the Baptist was the forerunner. He was the one preaching and going out. He was the crazy man that was getting out there and starting these revivals and, and getting an audience and saying, here comes the, the Son of God that will come and take away the sins of the world. Well, one day he actually encountered Jesus. And, and the message that he preached, the Bible says, the next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him. And said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. Now think about how powerful that was. Jesus could have been introduced as, Behold the Messiah has come. Or behold the Son of God. Or even Jesus the Christ. Or Jesus Christ has come. But he introduced him to society and people that knew what it meant to sacrifice. And knew about the Passover. Knew about everything. He introduced him as, Behold. Wow! The Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. I want you to think of this differently. 
We often use that illustration or that title of the Lamb of God, the Lamb of God, the Lamb of God. Can we reverse that? You see, there had to be a sacrifice that was brought to, to be the substitute. It was God's Lamb. Jesus was God's Lamb that would be given for us. It wasn't just the Lamb of God. It was God's Lamb, the sacrificial Lamb, the substitute. At that point, they didn't get it. Nobody was like, oh, he's the new Passover. He, he is the sacrifice that will take away our sins. They didn't fully understand this. 1 Corinthians 5, 7, when Paul wrote later, he said, even Christ, our Passover is sacrificed for us. He was tying it into everything of the Old Testament. Jesus came to be the fulfillment of the Passover. In John 1, 29, behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. It was for everyone. This was powerful because it was the Jews, it was the Samaritans, it was the outcasts, it was the defiled, it was the prostitutes, it was the Pharisees. It was for the Romans. It was for everybody. He was literally saying, this lamb is different. You know why? This lamb came from God and everything that God sends down is perfect. And it changes life and it changes history. He was introducing something that would take away the sins of the world. Removing what holds us back from the sins of the whole world. Jesus was to be our substitute. Now the disciples didn't fully understand. So I I want you to keep that in mind. That's the history behind it. When they come to the upper room, Jesus had everything in his timing, everything in his plan. You know, often we will say things like, or or Jesus was, uh, when he would heal and stuff, he would say, my time has not yet come. Have you guys noticed how the Bible says all the time? He would heal and do different things. And he said, my hour has not yet come or my time has not yet come. Because Jesus was coming to be our Passover. He was coming to be our substitute. So in Matthew 26, when we talk about, we get the education of communion. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to this. I want to read through this. I I want you to understand why it was the Passover that Jesus said. Why was it that he said, sit down, let me teach you something. Let me show you something. The timing of it was was all set up by God. He, He even says this. Now the first day of the feast of the unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus, saying to him, where will thou that we prepare for thee to eat the Passover. And he said, go into the city, such a man, and say unto him, the master saith, my time is at hand. And lined it straight up with the Passover, and he said, this is the visual that I wanted everyone to understand. This is it. My time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at thy house with the disciples. And the disciples did as Jesus had appointed them, and they made ready the Passover. So you get this idea that when they come in, here's, here's this, uh, the Passover meal and everything that they did and, and, and that matzo uh, bread and the unleavened bread that they had there and they had the juice and they had it all laid out and they walk into this room and something totally blew them away. Jesus comes and he washes their feet. He becomes this humble servant, which they weren't used to, which we'll illustrate here in a minute. But he was, it was time for them to have the Passover with Jesus it says in verse 20, now when the evening was come, even was come, he, he sat down with the twelve. And as they did eat, he said, verily I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. And they were exceedingly sorrowful and began every one of them to say unto him, Lord, is it I? And he said, answered and said, he that dippeth his hand with me in the dish, the same shall betray me. The son of man goeth as it is written of him, but woe unto the man whom the son of man is betrayed. It had been good for that man if he had not been born. Then Judas, which betrayed him, answered and said, Master, is it I? 
He said in him, thou hast said. Jesus calls him out. It's part of the ceremony. This spiritual opposition is happening in this. And Judas walks out. He makes his choice. But then Jesus rolls right into a new ceremony. He rolls right into a new celebration. Watch as he explains the substitute. Now, you know, you can imagine as he's sitting there at the Passover. We sit there and say, well, they were sitting at the Last Supper. Well, it was the Last Supper, but they were sitting there. The disciples were in the mindset of the Passover. And they're doing this, and they're celebrating being set free. And they're celebrating this, the Lamb, celebrating the, what God did to change them. And as they were eating, Jesus took the bread. He just broke into this and blessed it. And he broke it and he gave it to the disciples. And he said, take, eat. This is my body. You imagine, is there not, did he just say that's his body? Take heed, this is, this is my body. He took the bread which represented himself. The lamb had to give his life. The lamb had to be a sacrifice. It had to be this great love. Because the Bible says there's no greater love than this. than a man lays down his life for his friends. And he took the cup and he gave thanks. And he gave it to them saying, drink ye all of it. For this is the blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. See, he was tying it straight into, it wasn't just a matter of being passed over. It means it was being forgiven of the blood of, through the blood of Jesus Christ. He was going, he was literally saying in this thing, he says, I will be your Passover. I will take your place. I will be your substitution. You say, how do we get to heaven? In that same passage in John 14, when he was teaching this, and he talks about, let not your heart be troubled. And by the time he gets to verse 6, he, he, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man gets to the Father but by me. But think about what he's illustrating as he's in the upper room when he says that. He's explaining himself, not as just Jesus dying on the cross, but he's explaining himself as the Lamb of God. Without the shedding of blood, without the sacrificial Lamb, without him taking our place. In their minds, what Jesus was doing is taking them all the way back to the garden. Adam and Eve, you can live, but this lamb has to die. With the Passover, you guys can live, but this lamb has to die. That's just that the wages of sin is death. Somebody has to die. A substitution was taking place. When they get to the other upper room, Jesus was literally saying, your sins are going to kill you and take you to hell. But I will be the lamb that will die. He was to be the substitute. We are celebrating Jesus in our place. When we get to heaven and we see Jesus, do you know what you're going to see? We say, I, I, I want to walk into that throne room and I want to throw myself down and I want to cast my crowns before the feet of Jesus. I want to see Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Do you know who you actually see? And I'm not saying that you don't see Jesus, but that's not how Jesus is introduced when we get to heaven. How Jesus is introduced in heaven, he says, and I, be, and I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne, in the four beasts, in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb that had been slain. Can I say it again? Stood a lamb that had been slain. We come into the presence of the substitute, literally saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. It's preaching in that moment. I took your place. But do you get what he's saying? There stood a lamb. Not there laid a lamb and there was a dead lamb in there. There stood a lamb that had been slain. Jesus was the resurrection and the life. Yes, they took the lamb's life. And yes, he was the substitution. But he did not stay dead. He rose again and went up to heaven to be on the throne of heaven. He was our substitute. 
literally saying through that, through communion and through the representation of that saying, listen, you can have life because I was the lamb that had been slain, past tense, I'm not dead. We serve a living God. We serve the living lamb of God. And he did come to take away the sins of the world. And this is where we get so messed up. Because I, I it's, hey, listen, let me tell you guys right now, all of you sin, probably of you, some of you sin this morning. You're going to sin this afternoon. I'm just telling you, we're all sinners. All of us. My, my sins are covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. But I'm telling you, you still sin. I hate it. I wish I wasn't like that. You know, and some people are like, well, why would you get into heaven? Because you still sin. You still fall short. I know you. I know you have a problem with this and a problem with that. Yeah, we're all sinners saved by grace. See, there's no scales in heaven. There's no scales in heaven. God's not up in heaven being like, oh, he just said a bad word. Or, oh, he just got mad. Or, oh, he went to church. He went to church twice. He went three times. Oh, he gave him the offering. It doesn't happen that way. There's only one thing. It separates us from heaven and hell. It's not how much you sin. It's not the quantity of your sin. I'll just read it to you. And there shall no wise enter into anything that is defiled, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they that are written in the Lamb's book of life. That's it. It's not scales. It's just a matter of my, I walked before there and like, I, I don't deserve to be here. But I came to the place in my life where I accepted Jesus Christ and the sacrifice of the lamb. And the lamb of God is he opens a book with like one of mine. Not, oh, he sinned yesterday or sinned last week. No, one of mine. I took his place. I took his place. That's what it comes down to. So nobody can sit there and say, well, I've been a good person. I hope I get into heaven. Your name is either in the Lamb's Book of Life or it is not. That is it. And that came through salvation of when you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior of acknowledge, acknowledging the fact that you cannot be good enough. You cannot do enough good deeds. You cannot be baptized enough times. You just cannot day that you accepted Jesus Christ in your house or at that altar or in that pew and you said, God save me. There was a pen that came out. Wrote your name in a book that can never be undone. Ever, ever, ever. He belongs to me. So what are we remembering today? We're remembering the fact that we've been set free by the blood of Jesus Christ that when they sat at that table, that communion table with Jesus, they were looking back at a lamb that had been slain and celebrating something that happened in history. And God rose up and he said, hey, let me introduce the New Testament, a new covenant, a new life. When you walk out of here, when you accept Jesus Christ, you have a new way of living. That is what salvation is all about.